I was thinking about some things like what can we learn from retail? So think about payment flexibility. It used to be at one time it was just cash and then it became cash and credit cards and then debit cards came around. Okay, so for a while that was it. And now mobile and now we have different payment. We have payment flexibility. So how can we learn from consumers' desire to transact quickly and in their preferred way, our transaction is an apply, right? So um, we've made strides in speeding this process up, and I think that sort of thinking needs to continue. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Talent Experience Live, the show that covers everything that you need to know in talent acquisition, recruiting, HR, human resources, as a whole employee experience, the entire gamut of, quite frankly, what we do here at Phenom. I am your host, Devin Foster. Today, we're not talking about artificial intelligence, oddly enough, but we are talking about an equally as important topic, something that has really come to the forefront over the the past few years. It is all around employer brands that are too good to ignore. There's trends throughout the industry that we've begun to notice. And today we're going to talk about the ins and outs of effective employer branding. Uh, It's changed dramatically over the years. I mentioned it has come to the forefront, but gone are the days where you can just throw up an an applicant tracking system and, and hope that people apply to your jobs. Gone are the days, quite frankly, where you can fill out paper applications as well. And things will continue to change as technology like generative AI you know, takes a, a strong hold into the, the playing field. And today we are joined by a very special guest, uh, AMS's very own Mark Conahan, who is SVP and head of creative, is going to chat about the trends that he's noticed and what to pay attention to and potentially how to help your overall employer brand as you are entering the the, the playing field of trying to find tap top talent for your organization. So without any further hesitation, let's bring Mark onto the program. Mark, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, doing well. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Great to talk to you again, Devin. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining the program. Mark, uh, one of my favorite questions to to kind of start things off on TXL is, uh, I don't think anybody truly dreams of growing up and, and working in the HR field or even the HR tech field for that. So I want to ask you, uh, what was your journey like uh, to get from you know where you started as, a, as an early professional and to ending up at, at AMS as, as head of creative? Yeah, it's so funny. I, you know, I love hearing about other people's career journey. So it, it kind of makes sense that I'm here. I love biographies and I love I love work basically. And um, so it's kind of an interesting confluence of things that interest me to to be here at this stage in my career. So I I think from high school an art teacher saw what I was doing one day and said you're going into advertising. <laughs> and it was kind of odd, but um, it stuck with me for a couple of years. And I was kind of a creative kid. And so I started doing graphic design and, you know, pretty early in my amateur career, the Mac came out and I got into computers and then 
Um, by the time I got through business school, I got into the, so I got out of that, I got an art director job at a traditional advertising agency, um, spent uh, quite a few years doing that and uh, made my way to a digital agency and then a consumer packaged goods branding agency. Um, all of these different types of agencies uh, satisfied my curiosity or, or budding skills in one area or another. I think a through line for me has always been about a, a curiosity about people and an interest in how people relate to businesses. And um, so obviously with digital and the onset of that at the turn of the this century, I became very involved in um, anything that was transforming our advertising landscape. <clears throat> and so I went through that, that transformation, which was I think a great thing for anybody in this day and age to be in marketing and kind of live through that transition because there's a lot of things that are still relevant. People really haven't changed that much. They're still, they're still after the same things in life. It's just how we go about that has changed immensely. And, um, and so when I learned about this job opportunity uh, with AMS about five and a half years ago, I really jumped in um, feeling like it was something new and fresh to learn. And I could use my skills from my history, but also learn some new things and uh, really excited about how this was really kind of still in a pioneering startup stage in, especially in the Americas. I, I see a comment uh, from, from Jennifer Thomas in the, the, the comment section here. She's curious, what's the most memorable campaign you ever worked on? I think that's a, a fantastic question, and I'm, I'm curious as well. So is there one that sticks out for you? Um, in employer branding or I, I think all told? Like all told um, is there, is there one told. that was your favorite? I mean, I've done some big campaigns Um <clears throat> but honestly, the, the most memorable one was a, a campaign we did for, for a jazz club in Portland, Oregon. And it was just kind of a side project. And um, we got into it and did some fun things. Uh, and it, it got a lot of attention. And it just, it just everything came together from an artistic standpoint. And... Um, really great collaboration with the copywriter on that and the client. Um, and the, and the, the, this jazz club was just down the street from widening Kennedy, which is a very revered ad agency. And one of the founders came into the club and noticed it. So that's probably why that sticks in my, in my mind. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to really, I've had I've been lucky to be on a lot of great campaigns that I've had great results, and um, you know one of them in the in my space now in employer brand is that we did an EVP for a company that actually had been so focused on just product marketing and its brand was built around its history almost exclusively that it really wasn't didn't really have an EVP. Um, they were such a great. Uh, marketer of their products or sort of a supplier of products to 
other makers of consumer goods, technology goods. And so they're really kind of hidden and um, didn't have to do a lot of um, external marketing, really just try and work their sales channels. So they hadn't really developed a marketing voice and yet they needed a career site. And so we went in and my boss at the time said, well, you don't have an EVP. So before we do a career site, let's do an EVP. Mm -hmm. So we did this EVP and it really, it really fit well. And after about a year and a half, they came back to us and said, you know, we need a brand. We're wondering, can our EVP be our, our brand? And you know how odd this is. And we were pleased to hear that they were considering that. And so they let us hire an, an agency to research the prospects and the feasibility of that. And they ended up adopting their EVP as their main brand. Yeah. That's so I, I often win for our sector. It, it just tells you the promise of what we do. It's really important. Absolutely. Because oftentimes you have organizations that want to almost, you know, put a square peg of their brand into the EVP, right? I, I imagine mm -hmm. sometimes those don't always uh, align. Um, Most of the time, right. Yeah. But that's that's an amazing story. And I love the the, the jazz club because um, as a creative, I consider myself a creative uh, myself, the thought of, you know, kind of a, a, a jamming jazz band, just letting the creativity flow has to be a person, you know, like yourself, a dream, right? Where it's like, oh, let's let's mm -hmm. see where this takes us. Let's let's kind of think outside the box as opposed to maybe working with uh, like an insurance agency or something along those lines where it's a little bit more rigid around the edges. But um, yeah. I, I digress a little bit. Uh, you you kind of talked about it a little bit there. Um, but overall, AMS, uh, what, how do you help organizations? What are what are you guys standing for? What are, what are you working on? Everything. AMS is an amazing company. Um, it's really a groundbreaking company that's been around since 1996. So uh, quite a while in terms of yeah. Uh, they're really a pioneer in the RPO space, kind of defining that model originally. And uh, now, of course, RPO is huge. And so, you know, over time, uh, over the last three decades, AMS has evolved rather organically and um, along with the maturity of, of our sector, of our market, um, both defining and responding to um, to that to achieve growth and now we're probably 10,000 plus people all around the world um, we are uh, we are a leading company in this sector in RPO because uh, we're willing to change uh, we're willing to evolve um, we're willing to innovate um, today we not only do RPO but our clients are coming to us for contingent um, executive uh, volume hourly um, early careers um, we also have a really exciting digital talent solutions area where we are creating our own solutions and um, working with some of the best partners around the world to like Phenom, by the way, to come up with um, bespoke solutions for our clients. Um, and we're working with all of the latest things at our disposal, um, including AI, data, process automation, to really come up with new cutting edge solutions. And sometimes the solution is the tech stack itself, how are we bringing these things together? What's the best way to implement? You know, how do we get from this point to this point and end up at a place where we're improving 
a process or ultimately the experience and the results for TA. Um, and then of course, a third part of our company, um, which is my part is advisory, um, where we have um, technology consultants, um, assessment, DEI, um, and my favorite part, brand, branding and attraction. So the marketing part, and that's where I yeah. sit. <clears throat> no, that's 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 perfect. I, I I love number one hearing the the overall time frame that that AMS has been in the industry, and then to hear the growth and you know the organization mm -hmm. you've helped along the way. Um, you mentioned at the top of the program, humans themselves haven't drastically changed over the years, but while you know kind of explaining what AMS does, you've mentioned that things have changed, they've evolved, the technologies have evolved. As you know, it pertains to your experience. What have been some of the biggest you know changes that you've noticed over the years? Well, I think again back to back to digital um, and just the maturity of technology in our spa space. And just when I say that, I mean the general marketing space that has just absolutely revolutionized our industry because it's empowered customers. Um, if we translate that to our business, um, it's empowered candidates. Uh, candidates are still looking for more. They have more power in the palm of their hands and they want to use it. They want to access information. They want to see transparency. They want to protect their privacy. Um, the goals of consumers and candidates are mirroring each other in terms of how they um, interact with companies and their expectation from companies um, based on their capabilities with the technology at hand. So again, it's like data <clears throat> and there's a, there's a story developing with, with generative AI, right? Mm -hmm. How fast should we adopt this? And um, your CEO was on, I listened to that podcast. Mai was talking about, you know, data and you've got to have some things in place before you, before you take a huge leap, you've got to take a leap into what's right in front of you and achievable. Um, is your company data literate? Do you have infrastructure ready to handle, um, ready to handle large quantities of data responsibly, right? What are you going yeah. to do with it? Um, it's, it's, I think that AI can kind of be looked at in the same way. Absolutely. We have such great promise there to um, use existing stable um, machine learning and automation right now that a lot of companies, frankly, aren't really using, but it's there. So rather than maybe focus on generative AI so much or things that are in the future a little bit further down the road, um, are we taking advantage of the things we have right now to improve search, improve speed, protect privacy um they uh, customize a career site experience so um so i love the onset of ai but i i also want to remind everybody that there are things that before we think about the next stage of ai let's really embrace what we have right now to improve some of the basics that that our consumers candidates are looking for Absolutely. I, I liken it to running a marathon, right? It's 26.2 miles. Um, if you were to ask 90% you know, of the population to do that tomorrow, 
I don't think they would finish, right? No, it's a challenge. I'm training for one myself, and I don't think I could finish right now. Um, really? Start, okay. Start, start small, right? So, uh, you know, maybe it is, you know, that walk around the block. Maybe it's that 5K. Mm -hmm. And to your point, I think. Are you doing it with a stroller and your two year old? No, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. <laughs> um, that, that would, that's. That would be a, a tall task uh, for me. It's I'm getting tired, you know, carrying her up and down the stairs right now. But that's a that's a whole another story. Um, mm -hmm. However, when it, it pertains to you know data, it, it's oftentimes a lot like that that 5K scenario, right? Where it's make sure that everything is in order. To your point, make sure that that search is top of the line. Those recommendations are top of the line before mm -hmm. you want to you know, run out and, and create these generative AI campaigns and have an influx of candidates that maybe you're not even able to handle um, when it comes to your recruitment or talent acquisition team. So I love, I love that sentiment there. And I think you're absolutely right that it is a huge change. Another thing that we, we talked about a little bit uh, in the beginning, um, you shared the example of an organization that wanted to take their, you know, EVP and turn it into their brand. Uh, when you're dealing with, you know, some of your clients, some of your, your customers, how does company brand and employer brand or, or EVP typically intersect um, when you're beginning to, to consult them on, on your side of the house there at AMS? Yeah, great question. So, so in that one instance and in another instance that we just had with a, a, a hotel, they uh, sometimes there's really strong overlap. And, um, and that's a good thing, right? I think that means a stronger um, uh, esprit de corps with your corporate web team and your corporate communications team and your corporate brand team, right? And who doesn't want that? Uh, shared messages, shared platforms, you're getting this message out maybe even the same way. Um, you're just attaching job opportunities to it. More often than not, though, I think it, de it depends on the company, really, and its business objectives. Um, there's usually, at a minimum, a strong overlap because you, you need to look like the same company. You need to um, pin your proposition, your employer proposition, your people proposition off of values that are consistent throughout your company. Um, you know, part of this is uh, tying yourself strongly to your company's brand, if your brand is authentic to the company itself, uh, is going to help you be authentic in your employer brand proposition, which is one of the key factors, key success factors for for uh, EVP. So I think with, I look at it this way, with large companies, Employees are consumers too, right? We can think about companies that we help have 60, 80,000 people. And so if you think about the multiplier effect of all those people, the people that they know, family, friends, people on their social networks, uh, they're, they're participating in conversations or just listening to people talk about the company that they are, high, are uh, applying to or maybe working at, right? And so this these external influences are going to shape the perception of our candidates. So I think that's why, especially for large organizations, they really doing an EVP has to start with a good look at the corporate brand and what are those basic tenants. But from there, 
that's where the beauty of EVP comes in. You've got to do the research. You've got to gather insights from employees, candidates, look at competitors, employment competitors, right? And um, come up with your, your, your own um, messaging strategy that is grounded in the corporate brand, but targeting candidates where you need to hire. Yeah. And, um, and you'll, you'll come up with your own brand model that should really make sense for the company and no other company, right? That's the ideal. Absolutely. You, you have to stand out in, in one way, shape or form, even if you are in, in the same industry. Um, I, I know our knowledge uh, management team, our, our team that, that works on onboarding and, and kind of implementing our software, um, they've taken uh, some some plays out of the playbook of, of some large, very reputable hotel chains where they use the example of when you go to the pool, they know what your favorite drink is and they're going to recommend it. And I equate that to the kind of interview process, the candidate experience process where you can build that reputation for your organization when it comes to an interview process, which is, you know, part of your employer brand as well, even though it may not be on the, the website, it's, Hey, I, I know you spoke with Joe Smith here. He mentioned you're, you know, a huge Jets fan. How do you think they're going to fare this week against the, the chiefs? It's those little things that can go a very long way. And to your point, leave, you know, candidates and, and folks, folks feeling good, but I, mm-hmm. Digress a little bit there, because you mentioned that there's a happy marriage between employer brand and EVP. And I think it raises a question uh, that I'm tasked with on a regular basis, and it's social media, right? Uh, Every organization has their own social media presence, whether it's a little bit cringeworthy or, or whether it's not. But I think candidates are on these social media platforms as well. And when you're dealing with with some of your clients, uh, what are some of the challenges with social media? Should they have a separate careers um, profile or should they be, uh, quite frankly, on the same page as reaching out to their customers or, or potential customers on these channels? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's definitely a question that has been floated many times. So, again, it depends on the company, the size of the TA team. There are all sorts, all sorts of caveats here. But um, I guess in an ideal world, and this, hopefully your listeners weigh in with some arguments against this because I'd love to see some different viewpoints. But um, I think creating a channel for candidates and employees together, a people channel, um, apart from products and services and that sort of thing, I think that's really important for a large organization, even though I just said there's overlap, right? There's overlap between consumers and sometimes we're talking to the same people. It's just about articulating even some of the same topics, articulating those different, such as the topic of the day, the hot topic of the day day, or a... um, uh, sort of a holiday or uh, social issues or um, think about climate change, sustainability, pride. Uh, the post on your on your employee channel uh, about that or a series of stories about that probably should be different than what your what your corporate channel is saying. If they aren't, that's fine. And there should be sharing, by the way. I mean, why not? Why not leverage that channel as well? So it's not that if you have a separate channel 
four careers, you don't have any presence on the other. I think there ne there has to be sharing both ways. But uh, it's a little, uh, if you think about the benefits, owning your own space, controlling the narrative, right? Controlling the cadence of communication, um, having more pure analytics, all of that stuff sounds good because, you know, the audience is everything. So if that's true, you're going to really uh, benefit your channel and, and the experience for your audience because you're going to be targeting your communications to them. It's just, you know, um, but the I think that it's a lot of work. Most TA teams already have a mountain of work in front of them and, um, you know, creating and curating content and then monitoring and responding and analyzing. That's a whole second mountain of stuff. And so just a shameless plug, we can do that. And that's part of what we do for, for our clients. Yeah. But um, I think another thing that if you're considering that, you need to have a strong relationship with your corporate communications and brand people because, again, there's going to be an overlap. There should be an overlap. Uh, you need to sit together at the same table throughout the year talking about content calendars, talking about objectives, talking about maybe the brand tone if that's shifted. Um, you know, they're not going to be islands. And so if you have your own channel, there's going to be an extra hurdle of uh, collaborating with stakeholders internally. And that's going to create lengthier, perhaps more complex um, approval chains, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So there's some realities that might pre prevent companies from embarking on their own social channels. But I'd love to, I'm not an expert in social media. I, I can produce stuff for it and make you, help make you look, your channel look great. But um, I'd love to hear some some other reasons. Yeah. I, I mean, against. I'll, I'll go out on a limb. I don't, I don't think anyone is truly an expert in social media. They may have a vast amount of experience, but it's constantly changing. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think uh, Kelly chimes in here and says, separate, separate social media well done requires a dedicated resource within the TA team, a, th um, a third party to support, and a huge amount of collaboration with internal comms, marketing, branding, ERGs, etc. Often easier if combined, but agree, not as effective. And 100%, uh, I, I like what you mentioned there where there's crossover. There is a little bit of both. Uh, the reason why I think of our own personal social media channels, right? We have a LinkedIn and we have a Facebook and Instagram or wherever it may be. Mm -hmm. And each of those we're going to put out different content. Uh, there may be overlap where you post on LinkedIn that you got a new job. You're so excited about it. Here's a picture of your swag, your coffee mug, the laptop that you got, the whole nine. And that could end up on your, your Facebook or your Instagram. Mm -hmm. But your you know, uh, bathing suit photo next to the pool with your favorite drink at your favorite hotel chain probably isn't going to end up on your LinkedIn <laughs> channel. So I, I totally agree where I think there is crossover with corporate channels. However, you need to have that specific and dedicated pace, uh, place if you have the resources and the relationships to do so You know, for your, your careers page. And Siri's mm -hmm. chiming in as our, our social media expert on my watch right now. So thanks for listening. Um, but I, the next thing that I, I wanted to talk to you about, and I think it, it, it segues nicely where we're talking about company brand as well as 
at talent acquisition and things along those lines. What sort of lessons have you seen learned from retail organizations um, when when we compare them to the candidate experience? Since oftentimes people are often you know shopping for jobs. Are there any mm-hmm. uh, is there any sort of synonymous ties there? I think so. Yeah, I think that sometimes I feel like what candidates are culture customers. You know, we're 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 selling a different thing to them and it's it's we need to maybe look at ourselves more as a just a different type of product but needing to cater to customers in ways that are familiar and expected by them. Uh, you know, one consideration is we've heard that as much as 70% of all workers are passive job seekers, right? We know that um, contract labor hourly and younger workers, especially, you know, they've got their go bags packed. They're ready to move on to the next job for a little more pay or a, a, a tight bump in title or closer to home, whatever the reasons. Um, and they're highly transient. So every everyone's a consumer. Excuse me. You're fine. I had the same thing just happen to me. Don't, don't worry about it. So everyone's a consumer and all the time, right? Yeah. And so we in our business need to see the vast majority of people as, as candidates. And um, it's just that they are on a spectrum of their uh, listening and their attention that they're going to invest in our messages, they're just on a spectrum of interest, right? So um, TA marketers need to think more always on, more mobile, frankly, a little more retail in their approach. Yeah. Now, if we study shopper marketing, we may glean, well, my daughter's trying both of my phones, so I hope it's not an emergency. <laughs> um, if, if you need to hop and take it, I, I totally understand. I might, I might. She's leaving <laughs> tomorrow for France. So, um, okay, so... Uh, you know, think about targeted marketing, um, mm-hmm. programmatic advertising, remarketing and retargeting um, measures, uh, message testing, search, right? Uh, sophisticated search, ring fencing, mobile ads. Um, I've got a list here, geofencing, other data enabled ways to um, hyper target people and improve their experience, deliver what they're looking for right at the moment. And retailers have been driving the edge of consumer engagement for such a long time. If you think, I took a look at Google before this call. I thought, what was their thing about a decade ago? Well, it turns out it's almost 12 years ago, this idea of um, zero moment in truth, if you remember this, um, in shopper marketing, is that essentially people can grab their phone, search for something sort of on a whim, and make a purchase all in a moment of time. There's really not a big timeline there for so many things. Well, we know that that's moved over. We have a platform called Hourly, in fact, that 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 caters to hourly workers, and it's reducing the friction, the speed for hourly job seekers uh, by an incredible margin, and that really works for companies who are needing to connect and hire and interview and do all this in a very fast pace for hourly workers. If you blink, they're moving on. They're getting a job across the street. You've lost your opportunity. Yes, so exactly. um, so there's, a, there's a really direct parallels. But I was thinking about some things like 
what can we learn from retail? So think about payment flexibility. It used to be at one time it was just cash and then it became cash and credit cards and then debit cards came around. Okay, so for a while that was it. And now mobile, and now we have different payment, we have payment flexibility. So how can we learn from consumers' desire to transact quickly and in their preferred way, our transaction is an apply, right? So um, we've made strides in speeding this process up. And I think that sort of thinking needs to continue. Um, Retailers are obsessed with data and so must uh, TAB. um, And continually to use that that to improve like uh, career site experience. Um, transparency, people like transparency in their retail transactions. If I order something, the next day I'm sort of checking in on like, where's that package at? And and what have we heard from uh, candidates? They want the same thing. They want to know what your process is like and imagine um, letting them know that you're not being ghosted. We're just uh, going through our process. But mm-hmm. without that, this is an interesting stat, uh, if I can find it. It's like 70% of customers, these are cus- consumers, but we can relate this, right? 70% of customers are less likely to do business with a retailer that doesn't communicate about their possible delays. So just translate that to our sector, and we could see how that might turn into a bad review on Glassdoor simply because of a some latency in the um, interview process. Mm-hmm. And in, in turn, it could turn into a lost customer at, at the end of the day, right? Uh, people often forget how the employer brand, the interview process, the application process, even how that has a trickle down effect to where people people spend their their money at the end of the day. We've heard um, mm-hmm. from some telecommunication companies where the interview process has been so bad, people have threatened to leave and, and switch providers. So um, really, really alarming stuff there. The one thing that I do want to, to want to call attention to is you mentioned the change of payment and there has been a, a video on, on social media kind of circulating. Um, it's an interview at a Burger King when they allowed for credit card swipe purchases and everyone is like i'll never pay for my 99 cents burger with a credit card or <laughs> i know lines. and now we think about it i who carries cash anymore um i certainly certainly do not unless i'm in a cash only establishment at a byo but neither here nor there it's it's funny to see how things evolved and people probably thought the same thing when it came to applying on a mobile phone i know for a fact it was an uphill battle here at phenom when we were at iMomentus where uh, some clients and, and companies were saying no one's ever going to apply for you know a job on their phone. That's that's absolutely ridiculous. Now look at where we are. Everything mm-hmm. needs mobile op- optimized. Oftentimes there's a lot of candidates where that's the only place that they look to search for jobs um, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, I'm I'm concerned about your daughter, and I, I want. <laughs> to- no, I just <laughs> sent her a message just seeing okay. if she's okay. Just needed to figure out. Yeah, uh, she's good. She's at the Verizon store oh, talking right. about <laughs> yeah. talking about mobile. Um, yeah, well, um, you mentioned hospitality. And if you think yeah. about like looking at hospitality, if you look at um, if you if you study how NASCAR um, 
does their they do great hospitality programs it's mm -hmm. it's it's an extremely important part of marketing and revenue for those teams for nascar itself there's a lot to learn from nascar about events and hospitality what can we take away from that and that might that might um color our career events um our, or rewards programs they're sophisticated rewards programs from uh hotels and restaurants and retailers in general what can we take away from that to influence uh a better referral program for employees so i don't have these answers but i'm just saying that retail is a great lens for us to look to no, it, it is. And it's it's interesting you mentioned NASCAR there. I have a colleague who's heading down to Talladega for this weekend, and she was talking about the the weekend festivities. She said Saturday night there is a full-fledged concert, um, you know, on the, the inner part of the track there. And I, I think of, you know, all of the other aspects that, that can go. We probably won't ever see the day where you're allowed to bring your own cooler full of beer to work um, like you can do at NASCAR events. But there are still lessons that, that <laughs> tailgating. Yes, exactly. Um, Mark, I, I, you've offered a, a ton of great insight here and a, a ton of fantastic advice. I can't wait to clip it up and, and get it out on our, our socials. But I have to ask you, I imagine when you're having these conversations with your your clients, oftentimes they want it all immediately. They want to, mm -hmm. I, I think you in our, our, our pre-show comments said, boil the ocean, right? Change it all overnight. What are, if there's one word of advice that you can give someone who may be listening, where to start and where to evaluate before they try and kind of flip a switch and change their entire EVP or employer brand? Wow, one word. Um, no, 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 one word. <laughs> not, not one word. Not one word. It's going to be tough. I've got like 400 <laughs> here in my notes. Yeah. Well, brand, so branding. So when I think about this, um, your, your exact... Uh, um, I think that you know we have to recognize that branding is about messaging at a functional level words symbols colors media right but the brand perception shifts over time in in um based on candidate perceptions so things happen in the world covid uh gen z um the rise of gen z is is huge for us right economic shifts such as inflation um, any one of these things can really cause you to look at your employer brand and possibly make a shift there. I think um, I think one of the things that that needs to happen in the beginning is whether you have your employer brand just the way you need it or not, you need to look at your priorities. A lot of our a lot of our clients will come to us at their new client and they they recognize that they need a career site they need an employer brand redo they need research and insights but in the meantime it's like that the john lennon um quote i'm gonna butcher it but it's uh you know life happens when you're planning other things mm -hmm. you know candidates need to be hired while you're planning your long-term brand platform and yeah. so i think that uh there are short-term needs that need to be attended to, and these are this is where we um, can focus on more of a talent value proposition level. Um, but I think it's about um, I think it's about really understanding 
how what your resources can handle and um it's always a good idea to get the ball rolling on the big in initiatives yeah. but like what is needing what is needing um attention right now because we certainly wouldn't have to wait to solve the bigger picture to really tactically go after some of the talent value proposition um opportunities and by that i mean identifying a hiring hotspot within your company, a talent uh, community that needs attention because it could be something really specific like you've opened up a sales office in Boston and you're looking for skills first type of uh, candidates. And so it could be super specific like that, or it could be a little broader. We do a lot of TVPs for technology the technology workforce within a company because even if you're let's say you're a sneaker manufacturer and you have a great brand and you have no problems getting designers and marketers to your company you might have a hard time attracting tech people of yeah. all stripes and so mm -hmm. a tvp will be catering to that group of uh, kind of sort of a family of of hires of um, personas and we'll study that and we'll break them into personas that are um, aligned with perhaps in technology sticking with that you've got data workers you've got it workers you've got digital creators and maybe some others but they they all family under technology, but they have some slightly different priorities in terms of their motivation, what they're after. Yeah. So figuring all of that out is um, essential to launching into a campaign to reach out to any one of them yeah. and, and doing your job ads better, informing your job ads with the right messaging is a good opportunity yeah. too. Yeah. And, and you have to continue to hire folks, even as you make changes and adjustments. So I, I love that sentiment. I also love that you mentioned sneakers. Um, I just, you, you said you liked uh, biographies. I just finished Shoe Dog, the, the Phil Knight book. The, the I've heard good, heard good things about it. I, I haven't read it. it. Um, I, I do recommend that if you have some spare time. But um, Mark, for, for folks who want to learn more about AMS, possibly partner with you or even become a client, where can they go to, to find out more so that we can put it in the show notes for folks as well as the clips? We are AMS.com. Okay. All right. Perfect. Find everything there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, I, best of luck to your daughter at the Verizon store. I get stressed out whenever I am at the phone store as well. Um, and I want you to have some time to handle that. But uh, in the meantime, thank you so much for joining. Um, I hope to have you on uh, again in the future if, if you're okay with it. I would love that. Thanks, awesome. Devin. Well, have a great day. We'll see you. All right. Bye. Bye. That was Mark from AMS uh, with a plethora of knowledge. Um, I learned a tremendous amount. I loved some of the examples that he was able to provide throughout the entire episode. If you missed any of it, you can always catch the replay here on LinkedIn, on YouTube, or on Facebook. And if you give me about an hour or so, I'll get it out on Spotify as well and Apple Music. But thank you all so very much for joining. I appreciate the chat. Uh, a lot of great comments and things in there. So tune in next week. And in the meantime, I hope everyone has a safe, happy, and healthy weekend. And we will see you soon. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Talent Experience Live, of course, is proudly brought to you by the good folks here at Phenom, whose purpose is to help a billion people find the right job. Our intelligent talent experience platform, which helps candidates 
find the right roles faster. Employees evolve in their current roles and beyond. Recruiters achieve some next level productivity and managers build better teams with data and analytics. And of course, all of this is powered by super slick artificial intelligence and machine learning. So head on over to phenom.com to learn more.